This is a Federal News Network podcast. The Small Business Administration is elevating its Office of Women's Business Ownership. It's all part of the Biden administration's focus on what it calls equitable recovery from the pandemic. Now the office reports directly to the SBA administrator, currently Isabella Guzman. It's also trying to encourage more women business owners to compete for federal contracts. For a closer look at all of this work, Federal News Network's Jory Heckman spoke with the assistant administrator of SBA's Office of Women's Business Ownership, Natalie Madeira Cofield. Women are the fastest growing entrepreneurial segment in the country. We represent 12 million of the 32 million small businesses that the U.S. Small Business Administration has the honor of being able to represent across the country. And now we have in the Office of Women's Business Ownership, the largest women's business center footprint in the history of the Small Business Administration with 140 women's business centers in cities, counties, and states across the nation, including the island of Puerto Rico. And so when we're looking at where we are in history, we have a historical uh, presidential cabinet with the first female vice president of the United States of America. We have the highest ranking Latina as the administrator for the Small Business Administration, Isabella Castillas Guzman. And it's the time for women to have an equitable seat at the table. And so elevating this office to report to the administrator is something that I know the administrator was very excited and passionate about. And we, as women in leadership at OBO, are extremely excited and passionate about now. Uh, as well, because we look forward to continuing to keep making history for women entrepreneurs. To circle back on something that we've tracked for a while now, I know this is an administration-wide priority. Federal agencies did fall short on the prime contracting goals for women-owned small businesses in the 2020 scorecard. What steps is the Office of Women's Business Ownership taking to increase participation in the federal marketplace? When the president and vice president came in for the Biden-Harris administration, a number of initial priorities were made very explicitly clear, which was around gender equity, around racial equity, and around increasing the federal government contracting spend with small businesses to 15% from 10%. And so that increase in and of itself represents uh, access to nearly $100 billion in federal spend for small disadvantaged businesses across the country. That opening of the pie and making the slice larger is complemented by the hard work of what our teammates at SBA are doing every day. Uh, Folks like Bibi Hildago, who's leading the uh, Government Contracting and Business Development Division, which includes 8A Hub Zone of Veterans certification, women-owned small business certification programs, and our portfolio of certification programs to make it possible for small businesses to have the licenses to hunt for these government contracts that they need to be competitive. I know BB and her team are working to expedite the processes that are necessary for one to be able to receive their official certification approvals, which has been something that has been a big priority of this administration, as well as a evaluating and looking at contracting categorization, which allows for smaller businesses to have an opportunity to compete amongst another small business versus small businesses competing against very large businesses, even in the space of government contracting with small and disadvantaged businesses. So I know that that's something that is top of mind for the administrator. And, you know, our office works very closely to ensure that from a women business perspective, that we're liaisoning and we're connecting. We're 
we're giving our women's business centers the information that they need to share about how women-owned small businesses can become certified. And then we're also creating more synergy and connection between our resource partners, all 140 of them, our office, the National Women's Business Council, and various other offices within the Small Business Administration. Great. And I'll be speaking with uh, Bibi Hidalgo shortly to really unpack more of this, but the Office of Women's Business Ownership, what role do they have in implementing the equitable federal procurement strategy that we saw from the administration fairly recently? You know, our office is an advocate and a voice for women entrepreneurs. And I think when our office is strongest, it ensures that women are a part of all discussions, whether that be our office directly or the phenomenal leadership of other women leaders throughout SBA and champions of women and economic opportunity that we have and teammates at the Small Business Administration. So our role has really been serving as a liaison with the White House's Gender Policy Council to ensure that entrepreneurship and economic opportunity is a part of the first ever national gender strategy that's ever been released from any administration before and serving as a senior designee from the Small Business Administration to make sure that women small business owners are a part of what recovery and building back better looks like. And we're excited about this gender strategy that was launched in October. Our office being elevated, it fits into, uh, you know, the president's executive order around gender equity, which has challenged federal agencies to ensure that they're connecting with as many communities across the country and evaluating ways in which our programs, our services, and our offerings may be missing the mark and what we can do to further engage those communities. And so I think that what we're doing right now is immediately addressing that, elevating it, and celebrating women who are going to be a major part of what it means for our country to, to rebuild. Switching gears a little bit to focus more on that national strategy on gender equity and equality that we saw from the administration, what steps is your office taking to meet the goals of that particular strategy? So, I mean, I think first and foremost, as the Small Business Administration, you know, our administrator elevating this office uh, in and of itself is an immediate response to the gender equity strategy, the national gender equity strategy. We are the only office in the federal government that's singularly focused on advocating for and supporting women entrepreneurs exclusively. And so for the administrator to elevate our office, to report directly to the office of the administrator, and then for us to structurally make the changes internally makes it so that this is something that is really fermented within the Small Business Administration. It would take as much effort to change it back to its previous structure as it is for us to change it in the first place. And so uh, it, in my opinion, and in our opinion, really commands um, that women remain in this space and it commands strong leadership on behalf of the Office of Women's Business Ownership, which is consistent with the National Gender Equity Strategy. I would also say that our expansion and continued expansion across the country, ensuring that every state in the nation has a women's business center, is another part of ensuring that women across the country have access to resources and supports, making sure that our colleges and universities, minority-serving, HBCU, native-serving institutions also have access to uh, resources to support for uh, women entrepreneurs is in alignment with the gender strategy and the intersectional nature of the racial equity strategy that the president signed executive orders on as well. And then lastly, I would just say continuing to celebrate
celebrate and highlight and advocate for women entrepreneurs wherever we can and whenever we can in partnership with the National Women's Business Council and our own office and our resource partners are a key part of what is included in the gender strategy report that is instrumental for us to continue to do and to, as we have seen with the elevation of the office, continue to elevate. Looking forward, SBA really scaled up in a tremendous way when Congress was passing trillions of dollars in pandemic economic relief. And now we're seeing Congress passing trillions of dollars in infrastructure spending. How would SBA ultimately be put in the driver's seat to further empower the mission of the Office of Women's Business Ownership? And, you know, how would that spending ultimately empower you guys to get that mission done? With the infrastructure and transportation bill, this is important because what we know is that women have been uh, traditionally underrepresented in key industries that are reflected by infrastructure and transportation. So part of our mission and goal and what we have been doing is ensuring that we're sharing with women entrepreneurs and with our resource partners more about the federal contracting opportunities that are coming as a result of the passage of this legislation, which is important and critical to, again, making sure women have an equitable seat at the table. The awareness piece and the preparation piece and the education piece is something that my office is very much so involved in. And then as we've talked about, my colleague B.B. Hildago in the Government Contracting and Business Development Office is very much so involved in all of the changes and amendments and advancements that are needed from the certification piece. And when both of our offices are operating at maximum efficiency, which we are excited about doing, it enables women to have more opportunities in much of what is transpiring. Natalie Madeira Cofield, Assistant Administrator of SBA's Office of Women's Business Ownership, speaking with Federal News Network's Jory Heckman. Check out Jory's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the President and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy. with uh, six actual actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything, and it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Uh, and then after I retired after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Uh, I'm I'm currently retired and enjoying life, and um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style, and how's that developed over the years? 
my style has been quite con consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin. And what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I. We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career. But really, it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Um, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up. Uh, make decisions. Uh, do what you think is right. And you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I, I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing, and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, 
um, from C to C-suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes. When I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment, and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book, and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon, uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, And I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons in in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And and, uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, During my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. Come one, shop all at the JCPenney Friends and Family Sale. Through Wednesday, use your 30% off coupon inside the JCP app and shine on with up to 60% off diamond solitaires and studs. Plus, get carried away with up to 70% off luggage from Samsonite, American Tourister, Skyway, and more. Anyone shops, everyone saves. We got your holiday. JCPenney. Offers valid on select items through 12-7. Offers reflect after coupon savings. Exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.